There we go. Oh, Neil, I haven't told you about this yet. I'm building a comic management system. Okay. It's meant for for story-based, long-form comics online. Okay. No more strip a day. You have an issue, you release Death to an strip a day! <clears throat> you have an issue, you release an issue. I see. You don't sound <laughs> thrilled. This is awesome. Well, I'll look at it when it's done. <laughs> well, okay. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> we, I, I told him about how we tried to build one and how, how fun that was. Damn you, funding! I'm building it mostly for myself first. And... Yeah, that, that's what I ended up doing, lol. <laughs> <clears throat> because comic press sucks. Well, I mean, it's like I told you, it's just basically they put a hack on top of WordPress, and that's fine, but like the code is AIDS and it is buggy as shit, so. Yes. What's, a, what's wrong, Neil? Nothing. Having a drink. <laughs> Nothing. Okay. Um,. Yeah, we, we had some fun with Fest today because well, at his expense I should say. Well, I mean it was it was definitely I mean, it was definitely a heated debate. Well we well, took I, oh, I we feel took I feel I feel bad for Monty. We took over the show. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see, we talked about mostly we talked about Kickstarters, like Kickfrauders. Yeah, well Kickfarter was the best thing Nintendo did. Um we talked. Let's see. We talked about the Antarctic Press one, and then we talked about the the Web Comics Handbook Kickstarter. The Web Comic and, Handbook, which is telling you how to prepare your web comic for print. Yes. Okay. But yeah, it, it's 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 a follow up to the one they did in two thousand eight, which you know the one in two thousand eight more made I guess a little more sense because that was like back when people would have bought books i guess i don't know it i just made, i just brought up that i have a problem with like doing kickstarters for books because print on demand and kindles and things like that exist so sorry i i don't buy your i need upfront cash you can fucking print, do print on demand it's decent enough now yeah you don't need yeah, you don't need you don't need all you don't need to buy a big run of books before you start selling a book. Yeah, well, and also the thing is, is like I've always said that if I was going to do like books, I would print and bind them myself, and I've actually sort of done that with like few Ashcan comics. But like if I ever did like a Yuki art book or something like that, I would definitely do it like old school by printing it myself, cutting it down binding it so this would mean that there would only be a few of them but you know that's in, that's in leather means. bound from from human flesh uh, yes with, a, with, would, with, with teeth and a mouth on the top real boob flesh real boob flesh Batu, we, we, grow, we, we grow them ourselves i'll swallow your soul <laughs> yeah, come get so, some but i guess i i understand fess also saying you know it's fine for them to make money Money and I have no problem with people making money. It's just that I think it's sort of stupid. That's a stupid way to make money. And also, you're going to have a living room full of books. You make you can make a you can make a uh, fort out of books. My house is made of um what was it? What do we say my house is made of uh, disappointment or something like that? 
Actually, Family Guy did a funny episode about this where Brian has a book called Faster Than the Speed of Love. Yeah, well, and he was it was because like he was supporting marijuana and he got marijuana legalized, which, of course, Carter didn't want. And so Carter bribed him with the books. And so in the end, no one bought his books and marijuana was illegal again. So, well, actually, Faster Than the Speed of Love, the, the plot line is pretty much the Iron Eagle movie. I love that. I love that. Yes, Iron Eagle! That's Iron Eagle 3! That horrible Lois voice. I, I actually mentioned Faster Than the Speed of Love on the show. <laughs> yeah, he did. And, and, Which... and, and it said Fess can send copies of his book you, using shredded copies of his book as packing. And I, I don't know, yeah, because like we were mentioning, I was mentioning that like a lot of these Kickstarters are like, and if you do this Kickstarter, I will give you a copy of the book I did for my previous Kickstarter as a bonus. <laughs> like, well, so it's a perpetual book machine. It's like you just keep pumping money through this thing. <sighs> and like, and that's and like he just couldn't understand why this seems bad. And I'm it's like, like a pyramid just, scheme. It really honestly is, and it's, it's like, and he's like, well, how else are you supposed to get the money other than PayPal? And I'm like, well, there's, you can take credit card transactions. It just costs you like 3%, like 2.8% to like 3% per Well, Well, the funniest part is when he said that you can't do square transactions online. Uh, well, he was like, his thing was, is like, you can't, okay, like Square does offer stores, and I think they have an API, and not 100%, so don't. Like, totally I've seen people do this. it. I've seen people do yeah, it. Yeah, and also, like, Trevor's even talked about, like, there are ways to do a secure way to take a person's credit card. And his whole bullshit about people aren't going to trust you, it's like, uh, okay. Well, when you see that nice, big, secure, you know, certificate from fucking, like, whoever your provider John is. John McAfee. Well, John him. McAfee, you know, after he finished using his bath salts. And after he gave uh, his company over to the U.S. government for NSA spying, which I'm sure was probably part of all that. Hey, we'll let you go if you uh, do this one thing for us. He's American the Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007 starting with the Webcomic Beacon, a topical webcomics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Webcomic Beacon newscast, recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever-tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before webcomics, there was independent and self-published web-release written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. Anyways, the uh, topic tonight is uh, obscure 80s anime. Neil, do you have a list? I have a list. Send a, a list! Send, send a list! Okay. Uh, send... Do you guys have lists? Uh, uh, I was going to go off your list. Uh, I, have some, I have some things that I remember... I have okay, I have, I have memories of, of parts of animes, but I don't know the titles. I will okay, recite. I just I just kind of like went through my DVD collection really quick. And I was like, oh, is this I was like only, okay, is this, this one, this one, this one, and then like half of them were nineties. I'm like, fuck. So okay, is is this only American or is this all only Japanese? Uh, 
I assume Japanese. Japanese. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Okay. Ooh, writing bean. Okay, yes. Yes. Let's Oh yeah, I've watched all these. Excellent. Except for Ain't I think I didn't no, I didn't see Angel's Egg. That's I haven't seen. either. Or I've seen very no. few well, I've seen very little of it, but I, I, I wanted to throw it in here because of uh it's an Oshi Oh, it's, it's everyone, got, every but everyone remembers the trailer. So yeah, that's that's mainly yeah. why. It's like if you see if you, if you just see the trailer, you begin to sort of we understand should, uh, the second Earth Earth a Yetsura movie. Okay, if if you if you want to call this like obscure '80s anime, the way I I'd, I'd rather title this is too hot for television Japanese cartoons from the east. Because these are all the titles I remember, like, when I was a kid, I would be watching uh, late night television, and there would be a commercial for exotic cartoons from the East. Subscribe now, you'll get the best in anime. And they would always show these titles, or, like, especially Akira was always the one they would show off. Oh, fuck Akira. Well, it's it's good. It's, um, it's, it's, it is definitely important in the history of anime and it is fucking gorgeous so and holocaust is important in the history the, of mankind it's the opposite of obscure though <laughs> yeah well that yeah but it, it this one it was a it was included in those like you know subscribe now time life right. anime of the month club if we didn't have akira we would have never had that scene in man of steel with the with the satellite <sighs> oh god or you know what this reminds me of is like yeah. When Orion bought uh, Streamline Pictures, then all of a sudden they had they had the ad bumpers that were like uh, state of the art Japanese animation. And then Orion like, the got be- bought. At the beginning of every <laughs> single uh, at the beginning of every single video cassette they put out. Uh, ready oh. to start, guys? Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. I'm ready. <clears throat> all right. Hello and welcome again to Animation Aficionados. Uh, this is your host Ben. Uh, joined by my co-host TV Spurnia. Yeah, hello, people. Neil, I I was kind of pressed for time. I didn't really have time to think of a funny thing. All right, and joining us is our favorite guest, Kitty Hawk. Echo. See, she had something. And <laughs> tonight we're talking about uh, obscure '80s anime, or as Kitty Hawk puts it, uh, exotic I'll, I'll put it. exotic cartoons from the East. Japanese cartoons. They will scintillate and titillate, and you will enjoy. This was on, if you were a kid in the 90s and you turned on the television, like late night television, you saw this commercial run every single time. I don't even know who the hell was doing it, but it was like one of those time life deals where they would like send you a video each month. You're lucky. When I tuned on the television late at night, all I got was the clapper. Oh, well, we get that. You get that too. You get clapper and then lots of Scientology. Lots of Scientology. Oh yeah, and Chia. But the Scientology is Dianetics, and then the, the the volcano comes up. But anyway, back Hail to the... Zenu. Yay! Oh. Have a good, blessed Zenu day. But uh, back to the obscure eighties. Um, <laughs> we haven't even rem- we haven't even started on one. We already digressed. Well, I mean, it, it really, honestly, it it's that time. I think more about the time period when I think about these series because I remember these were the only ones on the shelf. At like Camelot, or if God, God willing, you had a Suncoast. Yeah, like I said, I always remember. I always remember uh, Ninja Scroll was on that shelf. Yes, uh, no. Giver was on that shelf. Giver. Yes, 
Giver. Um, Ranma was always on that shelf. Uh, or if we, you were lucky, or say Yatsura movies. Mason Ikoku? Mason Ikoku, yeah, you get that. No, Mason Ikoku wasn't actually um, as common. Like I saw it. Yeah, I mean, like, if you had a Sam Goody or a Suncoast, it would be there, but, like... No, I, I saw that Blockbuster. Yeah, the block... Now, my Blockbuster, when they finally built it, goddammit, um, they they were blessed with a lot of anime. In fact, that's how I saw uh, Ursa Yatsura, Beautiful Dreamer. Uh, they had they had a subtitled VHS of it. Rare. And I know. They also had a Dragon Ball GT for PlayStation. They had a lot of rare shit. But uh, that, that's actually really funny to me that, uh, that uh, you know, Mason E. Cuckoo, or whatever you pronounce it, was, was one of those early imports because, because it's nothing like Takahashi's other work. It's very... Down to earth. Yeah, it's very slice of life, down to earth, regular romance. There's nothing really wacky. But, it, it but the thing ending? is, is that... What? Does it have an ending? Yes. Yes, wow. they get married. <laughs> yeah, Neil just I mean, gasped. Whoa. Holy shit, a, a Takahashi series that has an ending. Holy goddamn fuck. Well, actually, there was an ending on, on Inuyasha, so it I sucked. take that back. Well, yeah, it did, but at least it was an ending. I know, it but, but like... it's basically, oh, Inuyasha, we can't be together because we're separated by time. And then she turns 18 and it's like, okay, now that now the wishing well works because now she is legal. I think I, you know, that probably honestly, I believe that was her editor because editors in Japan have been like trying to instill good values into people recently. Yeah, that high school education will come really handy in the feudal age. Yeah, that'll be, well, I mean, maybe she'll, uh, you know, learn that you can boil water and it kills germs. But anyway, back to Mason Okoku. Yeah, Mason Okoku was like, yeah, it was much different than anything else, but... It's, a, it's an animated soap opera. Let, let me just yeah. distill it. It's an animated soap opera. It's an animated 80s soap opera. Yep. And it's... And there, and except there is no... Oh, no, her husband's back from... The, actually, that would have made it better. <laughs> well, I mean, her husband is dead. He, he died, and so there is this, like, you have... Like, the main character has to basically live up to this memory of this man that... Does not live anymore, so is perfect forever. Um, and it's Named different. Named her dog after him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was creepy. Uh, the thing is, is that it was a lot different than anything else that was around at the time. And um, I'd actually say it was refreshing. So, and even like you know, this was early in the in like the anime boom. So. It was very different from everything else. Was and, and like I said, it's really weird that this is one of the first translated titles in the eighties. That that mm. because it's not like all the other eighties, you know, eighties titles which are made or which are more you know sci-fi, space opera, action. But, but that was mostly the eighties. Eighties was mostly hits sci-fi. And gore. Yeah, but like the eighties were mostly sci-fi. But um, but a thing about like early that people need to know about like early anime translations. Which they called Japanimation back then. Um, well, or or if you're fest, you called it that like a couple a year ago. Well, anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, let's not talk about that. Uh, so the thing is, is that like in the early days, it honestly was a lot of fans who started these companies that translated the anime. Like they would form a company and that they would translate some series. You know, sort of graduating from the uh, fan fan suburb 
community into a more legitimate, you know, getting the licenses and such like that. <laughs> and what? Yeah, a a yeah, ADV, Viz, uh, US Manga Corps, things, the companies like this, and um, and so you did get a really eclectic taste of series because it was just basically what they wanted to translate. And so, and a lot of it was sci-fi, like Ben said, because, well, if you look at the 80s, it is mostly sci-fi as far as, like, the anime. Um, it wasn't, like, till late 80s that you actually saw, like, fantasy starting to creep in. So, you know, you had things like Dominion Tank Police, um, Project Echo. you know, I'm just basically going off of Neil's list, but this was basically what you were going to see if you went to the store in the United States, like in, say, 1994, you were going to see mostly sci-fi because, well, that was mostly what came out of the 80s, and this, these were the rights that they could get. And these were the series that they grow, grew up with and they wanted to translate, so. Right. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. So, uh... History lesson over! So, uh, yeah. Neil? Every, every, yeah. yeah. Go ahead and let's talk about one of the ones on your list. Okay, well, maybe we should just get this one out of the way. It's Angel's Egg. I think it's the one that none of us have seen. Okay. We've seen trailers for it. Oh, well, yeah. it is available on YouTube, so go watch it, y'all. Yeah, I'm only bringing this up because uh, if you watch the second Urusei Yatsura movie, um, I think that movie is kind of uh, Angel's Egg 2.0. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's kind of thematically similar in a way, but it's, it's basically Oshi just redoing it redoing it you know doing his trippy world type anime where nothing really makes sense it's all a dream world and the ending is just kind of a non-ending and then uh and then it's over and oh I, I, I read the plot and this is art house to the extreme yeah well I, I remember i asked someone i'm like what what is with lum wearing the little girl costume in, in ursa yetzer too and they said to me watch angel's egg Okay, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Beautiful Dreamer came out before Angel's Egg. Really? Yeah, it came, out, not, it came out. So basically, okay. what I think is 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 that Urusei, he did the Urusei Yatsura movie as the prototype, and then he went off to do this. Ah, I see. Yeah, because like, I'm, I'm looking at it now, and it, it was released in 1985, so yeah. Yeah, this, but, this reads like art house as shit. It does. It really. It so I think it's really he. He probably wanted to take what he did in Beautiful Dreamer, probably grow it a little bit more. Except that I say Beautiful Dreamer is perfect as it is. So why fuck with it? Yeah, it's fun. It's, it's, a, the, it's a fun movie. Let, let, let's let's back up and let's describe the eighties. The eighties was a was a magical time. Ronald Reagan was president. Joe, yes. A young Joe Piscopo taught us how to laugh. And, <laughs> and Rubiko Takahashi stories had character development. And they actually were funny. <laughs> and, and and there was still nudity on Japanese television because I experienced it. It was awesome. I was like six years old and I moved to Japan. And everyone had a boombox. Yes, everybody had a boombox. I had a boombox. But yeah, like, um, the, I did live in Japan in the late 80s and it was a beautiful, wonderful time. This was before the the bubble burst and the Japan lost was, generation. Yeah. The lost generations now. Um, so it was, it was a beautiful time. I can tell you that it, 
like living in Japan in the late 80s was like the most magical thing to be a child because there was anime everything everywhere like you turn on the television you most likely anime was going to be on or a weird like, commercial with Koopy. Oh god man there were fucking weird commercials. I mean and then there was like nudity on television and blood and gore, you know, and my mother just sort of gave up at that point because she realized that we were in another country and things were different and it was awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, so I yeah, the 80s is actually like I would say there was such a boom that it's it's a very magical time. Now, I admit that I prefer 90s series a little bit more, but that's just because I'm more into like the fantasy mecha type series, which mecha was still kind of young, I'd say in the 80s. It was. Yeah, because yeah, like it was the late '70s that really Mecca came into its own, and then in the '80s it was sort of still going through its evolution. It was still a little bit more grounded in reality, um, like Pot Labor. Yeah. You know, they were more like moving robots, and then uh, Dominion Tank Police. The ro- they're not really robots; they're tanks, but they act like robots. They're kind of like the ones from like uh, you know Metal Slug, where they kind of look like they can maneuver a little bit more than a tank can. Yeah, it does you know? look like the metal slug tank. <laughs> yeah. Heavy machine gun. <laughs> That's little, what I little, think. Little Bonaparte, the tank. Yeah, Bonaparte. Oh, man, I, na- I named the car after Bonaparte. After seeing Bonaparte, I was like, ah, oh, Bonaparte's so awesome. <laughs> at least they don't and name they... him after... At, at least you didn't say Metal Gear. Oh, uh, Metal, metal Gear. Metal <laughs> Gear. But uh, uh, what was the girl's name? Leona. That, yeah. Uh, in Dominion Tank Police and her love affair with the tank. Yeah, that was kind of borderline creepy at times. No, no, that was perfect because of who wrote it. So, you know, he, he has a thing about love and machines. But I always thought friend zone, her friend, friend zone, um, you know. <laughs> oh, zone. yeah, ouch. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Uh, I mean, guy. like, you know, I was, I was a teenager and i had my oh wouldn't it be great they fall in love but leona's too in love with the tank what if he became a? and then of course my thought was what if friend zone became a tank yes that sounds like a fan fiction in the making yeah it was a fan fiction in the making i think actually i wasn't i don't think i'm the only one who had this thought well you know dudley do had the same problem with uh, with nell being in love with the horse well you know you can put on a horse costume only if you are doing a uh, a Harlem Shake video. Oh, I, anyway, we're we're di- we're going a little fur- far off. Yeah, so Dominion Tank Police in love with the tank and cat girls. Yes, uh, we know about. Oh man! What's really interesting to me about that that about the the Puma Girl dance mm-hmm. is is the English dub has its own completely different song. Oh yeah, yeah. They did that. A, okay, that's a thing they did a lot back in the it's, days. It's, it's, it's pretty good too. It's it's not like it's not like a studio. It's not like a cheapo studio. You know, no, elevator no. music song. It's like a real song. But the thing is, is they did that a lot. Like they would change like lyrics, or they would change like what they were saying sometimes to Americanize it, or or to sanitize it. Like in the case of like, so Tokyo Babylon, which is a clamp series, did get an OVA. And if you watch, if okay, if you listen to the dub and you read the sub and then you listen to the Japanese, they are saying three totally different things. 
like it does not match up at all like in a lot of cases because like in the in the dub they say that the girl the girl twin is going out with the older guy in the sub they sort of hint that the girl like they're they're saying like someone could be going out with the older guy and in the japanese they're saying that the dude the guy twin is going out with the older guy so there you go it was that you had an irritating things like that back then uh anyway translation but but um a lot of the series on this list actually had good translations like um who did who did most of these like wasn't it like Uh, i remember a lot of it was central park media u.s manga corp that that's such a ridiculous name they came up with (laughs) the u.s manga corp is awesome it's it's like and then they had the big robot with the flag oh god that was uh Oh god, what what anime was that? That's another obscure one. Uh Well, there was all uh, I'm also thinking of Appleseed had was also one of those yeah. ones yeah. you always saw on the shelf. Yeah, um, MD Geist. That's Yeah, uh, MD Geist, that's it. That oh, man. movie and, was a turd. I know it was. Oh man, do you, did you, any of your stores have laserdisc? Uh like, I very rarely saw them. Oh man, we had we had at least two places that had the laser disc, and I would go in there and I would just look at the laser disc because I had a laser disc player, but they were so much more than the VHS. I would just be like, no, not for two episodes. Oh yeah, that was the other irritating back then. You only got like maybe thirty or sixty minutes on a VHS tape. Oh man, yeah, Damn. and then you paid like forty bucks for that. Yeah, that's like yes. when I would see the Slayers episodes on VHS. I was like, no. No, you just wait for, I would wait for box sets to come yeah. out and then I would just wait for that to get cheap at like a convention maybe or an online sale, hopefully. And then I was so happy when the DVDs came out. I was like, yeah. Oh God. <laughs> DVDs were so much cheaper. But yeah, I, I, I actually did want to buy some of the laser discs of these and I wish I had, but, but yeah, like, uh, there was Appleseed, Indie Guys, that was always there. Um, if you were lucky, and we had, oh god, which store was it? Oh yeah, it was Saturday Night Mat, was it Saturday Night Matinee? I don't remember, it was the name of the store, and they actually had a lot of the porn series too, like Urokudoji, you know, the- But what's the, the one, what's the the one about the clinic? Oh, a Genki Clinic, they had that too, yeah. But is that that 90s or not 80s? I, I don't think That's know. 90s, actually, unfortunately. Uh. It seemed very 80s. And I've never seen it, by the way. Well, like the eighties, the eighties and the nineties sort of blur together for a while. Like yeah, they during did. the yeah, yeah. late eighties, early nineties, sort of blur together. It's not till like you get into the late nineties. It is definitely a different. And I don't know what series actually marks the beginning of the new type of series, but it's like somewhere around like nineteen ninety four, ninety five. I would say there was like this radical shift. I think the first time yeah. I noticed it was the Battle Arena Toshinden anime. I was just like, "What is with this cartoon?" Yeah, that it, that that's one very weird style. Oh, they, they, do we do we want to talk about Wingman or did that never really reach the, our shores? Wingman. Wingman. It was by uh, it was by the guy who did Video Girl AI. Oh, oh yeah, that was his like first series, wasn't it? Yeah, that was before he uh, had to relearn how to draw. Yeah, that yeah, that was I I've only heard references to it. I have not actually seen that one. Mm. 
Yeah. Yeah. His story is a really sad story. He did. He has this great style that. He, I'm actually glad that he re- was able to relearn how to draw because. Well, that's fucking dedication right there. Yeah. What happened, Neil, was he like wrecked his hands. And, yeah. And then he just he didn't know how to draw again, and he had to like relearn the whole thing. Yeah. This is actually a thing in Japan. Like artists will work themselves to the point where they can't work anymore. Like the the woman who was doing Kanagi got a really horrible disease where like I think half her body was like paralyzed or something. And then the art style completely changed. No, actually the art style is back to normal. That's the Oh, thing. it went like, back? Yeah, it went back to normal. She's like slowly going back. It's it's a little different. You can tell that she's working hard. But yeah. And uh, well the thing is that what because I was thinking of other 80s anime, and I keep on thinking of things like, was this from the 80s? No, that's from the 90s. And one of the things that popped in my head was DNA Squared. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I kind of think, it looks so 80s. Are you sure it's not? It's like, no, it came no. out in 93. Yeah, like, it's just that they oh. bleed. Now, when I think of the 80s, because I was there, I think of things like Dragon Ball. I think of Saint Seiya. I think of, like, Ranma. So... Um, these aren't really obscure, like, and I remember, let's see, what was really, like, Mid, uh, Night on the uh, Galactic Railroad was one of those series that you would see on the shelves and no one would ever buy, even though it's actually a, a pretty good um, watch, and that's actually from the 80s. Um, it's um, actually based on a famous uh, poet, well, actually, I think he was a novelist in Japan, so it's actually a fun it's a fun watch and everyone is actually a cat. So it's it's kind of funny to see that these historical people are cats. Mm. So it's very cute and I recommend oh, it. How could I forget that one that that anime? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Uh Orange Road. Kimaguri Orange Road. Yeah. Uh that one that one was so that was sort of like in the Mason Okoku sort of Slice of life, but there was a little bit of like a lot more, a lot more nudity. Yeah, there was a lot more nudity. Um, like I remember that one was really big, uh, and that Beavy. was really hard to get. Yeah, the girls looked fantastic in that one. Yeah, though I hear that there was like I think the ending was kind of disappointing, if I remember, because I knew some people who followed that series and they weren't very happy. Um. I'm trying to think of another 80s series. Well, there's um, all the Rumiko Takahashi uh, short story series that she did in the 80s that were animated, like Firestarter and um, a lot that were in the Rumik world. Well, did, did uh, they ever stuff. do? Did they ever do the Mermaid Saga? Yes, they actually did that. But I, that actually, I think, was done in the like the animation. I think was done in the 90s. But I'm not a hundred percent when the manga was done. Uh, but you might as well just call Rumiko Ta- anything Rumiko Takahashi does is like still the '80s because the hair, um, the '80s hair. Rin, like I've been reading Rene. I only read it sort of like in this more morbid curiosity sort of deal because like Rene is like she's rewriting Urusei Yatsura, but she's putting her author notes in it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, what about the what about the City Hunter? We've never really talked oh, about City, City Hunter. Oh, City Hunter, yeah. I always see the ads for that. Like, 
the the artist is this fantastic 80s artist that like draws oh all these women that to look like this certain way that's hard to describe but it, he always focuses on like leg leggings and uh mm. and uh yeah. Sounds like no, that kind of guy. Oh, oh, he is actually, and uh, yeah, no, Cindy Hunter is 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 great. It, it, it's like uh, it, it's like an '80s uh, action movie. And yeah, it it definitely has that that feel. Like you swear to God, it's like set probably like in Miami or something like that, but it's in Japan. Yeah, it's like Miami Vice meets uh, meets Lethal Weapon. Meets uh, <laughs> meets Japanese comedy because 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 the thing is City Hunter uh, the character's name is Rio Seba uh, the, the idea is he's a cleaner he basically does like bodyguard uh, assassin whatever mm. and his partner is this girl, girl named Karai which was his which is was his late partner's sister and she decides to become a city hunter as well and. She has no skills with a gun. She has boyish hair, so everyone mistakes her for a guy. <laughs> and and she constantly hits him with mallets. Because yep. Mr. Saba always asks for payment as sex, because it's always a woman needing protection, and he always says, well, if I protect you, will you have sex with me? And it's... Yep. Oh, yeah, that, that's another thing. Like, the hammers were a big thing in, like, 80s. And there was a lot... I would say that, like, the perversion level was, like, cranked up. To 11. Uh, yeah, oh, it yeah. was. Um, I guess that's why, like, when people are like, Oh, God, I can't understand why that's in this series. I'm like, shit, man, you should go back into, like, watching 80s anime. It's, like, sexist as hell. It's... It's but you kind of laugh like in the case of City Hunter, you know that he's not that kind of guy actually. He's yeah. just you know maybe it'll work this time. Yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, but the hammer thing that was so big in everything and like like Akane had a hammer. Every actually every Rumiko Takahashi girl pretty much has a hammer. I had a hammer. And where did hammer. the hammer come from? Hammer space. Oh, Neil, yes. don't you dare start that. I don't want to... Hammer space. Hammer space. There, there is no such thing. Oh, come on. <sighs> yeah, Where does the hammer come from, Ben? A purse. A purse. Oh, but anyways, Neil, let me send you a little picture from, from the manga of City Hunter. This is the same City Hunter that, uh, that they adapted... In Hong Kong, starring Jackie Chan, that had that infamous fight scene. Ah. The Street Fighter fight scene. I see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. The beautiful 80s faces. And, oh. and just, look, just look at that figure. It's like, it's, like, it's like the artist just knows, like, you don't have to draw something extreme to make it sexy. Well, this is, like, big, the big breasts didn't really come in to like really the 90s like if i'm recalling because like like as you bring up the battle arena toshin den anime and that is an example of my god are those fucking torpedoes i i, I know but like i said when you see a girl like this it's like it's like well like this kind is, of appreciate it you know like this whole this whole thing of of there's 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 moderation in this design and that sort of makes it sexier well, there was also the, there was also this thing like you know if you look at the progression of anime, there was this um, progression towards realism in the seventies and eighties, and like 
especially in the 80s, because, like, if you look at this art, honestly, if you change their faces, for the most part, they would could kind of pass off for Western, because the bodies are very well drawn. And that was a thing in the 80s. Like, it just seemed that they, I don't know, there's more tension to detail. But I think it's just mainly because the assistant system was still in place. There was probably a little bit more money back then. Like, the assistant system, I, as far as I understand, is not as large as it once was. Like, it's not as um, practiced. Like, you know, how you would apprentice under an artist for a few years as an assistant, and then you would go off and do your own. Right. It's not being promoted as much anymore because this this sort of leads to people who can ask for a little bit more. And also, there are people who are now just, like, doing it digitally, and so they can just jump right in. Now, that's not to say they're not doing a good job. It's just that I think it might be a, an issue of, like, there just isn't the money, the time, or the emphasis towards that. But there's still people who draw like this. I mean, if you go back into the, like, the 60s or 50s, like, it was a way different style. It was, like, ball people back then. Um, I'm actually happy we're not at in Baltic. Kitty Hawk, you went really weird. Yeah. What? Now oh, you're back. Okay, I was visiting a site and it probably kicked. This is uh, Nobunaga no Chef, which actually has, this actually has really good art. I know, but uh, what about that last example I sent? I didn't hear any thoughts on that one. Though. Let's see here. <laughs> yeah, like, this is really good, but like I, like I said, like, this... This is this is the product of being through a system and being trained. And you can kind of see that this is sort of falling apart in Western comics, too. Like, there used to be the system where you would go in, you would basically be like an assistant or something, and then you'd work your way up. And that's just not true anymore. And so, without a system to support you, you don't have time to uh, spend this insane amount of detail. Now, there are artists who do put this amount of detail into it, and Jesus fucking Christ, like, Kaoru Mori is one of those people. Mm. I, know this, I know this artist did another comic that was a little different. What was this other comic this artist did? Uh, uh, Can you look it up? Okay. You know, people can't see what we're looking at, so... Yeah, I'm looking it up to see what the series is, so... Do you... Oh, he did Cat's Eye. That's what it is. Oh yeah, that's the one about a woman that 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 that, that that's a jewel thief that that wears a leotard. Yeah. yeah, it's like three. It's three girls. Oh, and then he also does Family Compo, which is the one about like the the family where uh, the mother is the father and the father is the mother, and the daughter switches genders, and the main character is actually kind of confused about his own gender as well. I never read that one. Uh, let me send you this. Uh, it's called Family Compo. Okay. Um, and it is long. There is a lot. There are a lot of chapters. Um, but is it good? It's. I actually enjoy it. Like, uh, but mostly I think I enjoy it for the art. Like the art is, and I and I didn't know that this was this guy who did City Hunter. Like I I I just enjoyed the art, but I was like, this is really similar to City Hunter, <laughs> and it, it's the same guy. 
Well, it, it's a totally different kind of series for him. It, it's like I said, it's it's this beautiful '80s art style that that back then they animated beautifully. But it's like you ask an animation team now, they're like, "Oh, you gotta simplify a bit." Well, but the problem, okay, like, okay, I'll get into the animation thing, and like, um, the problem is, is that the industry just isn't paying what they used to. That's uh, true. Key animators get paid the equivalent of ten thousand dollars American, ten thousand dollars American a year to be the key animator. That's ridiculous. And but that's the system that's going on right now is when when digital came into being, everyone thought, okay, we'll have the same budget, so we'll be able to do even more because it's digital. Except that the studios just cut the budgets because they were like, Oh, well now it's digital. You can do it for cheaper. And we'll just fix it when it gets onto the DVD. Cause like I'm watching uh, Attack on Titan right now, and it's a really good series, but I can tell places that I'm thinking, well, when this gets a digital release, there's probably going to be some fixes made here. And that's just because they give them insane deadlines, they don't give them a the budget they need, they pay these people like crap, and then they work them like hell. And, you know, that's just part of what's going on around, around the world right now. So, you know, I wish we could have the same... There are animated series that still have quality, but the problem is, is that for the majority of them is, it's that the studios are just squeezing them. And it's... They're hurting themselves, but... Eh. But back in the 80s, it wasn't like that. It was, uh... Like, there were a lot of, like, independent studios, such as, like, Gynax was founded, and, you know, uh, Ghibli was actually started in the 80s as well. Uh, the 80s was just an explosion of animation. It was, uh, but that was because this was the creators were actually able to do what they wanted to do. And I think that's why when you think of like the great anime series, a lot of them are from the 80s. Just because it was that time when the creators got control and they were able to do what they wanted. They weren't having to do what the studios wanted. And I think what's happened recently is it's gone back to studio control and you know, you don't get quality out of that. Right. I was just doing some more studying on other animes that I thought were eighties, but turned out to be nineties. You mentioned game. <laughs> so I, I, I of course looked up Nadia, uh, secret yeah. of Atlantis or yeah. secret of the blue, pardon me. At, uh, yeah. Lol. That that was 1990, right on the edge. So we can't talk uh, about well, that. We can't talk about Disney you... and and the Gainix and uh, blah 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 blah. Well, I mean, uh, Totoro is an 80s series, is an 80s movie. So is Nazca. A lot of people don't really know about Nazca, which was actually not a technically not a Ghibli film because it wasn't uh, published under Ghibli. This was before they founded Ghibli, and it is a wonderful. It's a wonderful movie. Um, it did get released by Walt Disney, uh, but I highly recommend reading the manga. Like, it's actually, uh, Miyazaki did the art and the story for it, and my fucking god, the detail. Like, there are, like, you can see scales on some of the insects. It's that detailed. Wow. Yeah. You know, funny like, thing about Totoro, uh, uh, a lot of people may not have heard of this movie, but they've seen Totoro because he's in yeah. Toy Story 3. Yeah, I mean, well, they see the toy, they know who Totoro is, but have they actually seen it? Do they know the significance of the corn, you know, and things like that? Yeah. Well, Neil, no. you, as as you know, Neil, yeah. all the all the Pixar movies take place in the same universe about about uh, the yep. inanimate objects rising up to banish mankind into space to where they will become uh, be, become uh, slaves Lobbies. when they come back to Earth. 
you know, <laughs> that's a very good explanation because that stupid pizza van shows up in every single movie. What happens, Neil, is basically the the toys and other inanimate objects rise up. Mankind leaves Earth. And then the cars take over, and the cars oh, ruin God. the Earth because it's just cars driving around. So the cars are all killed off in an epic war that leaves just just the cleaner robots left. And then and then Wally happens. So there's the whole to- timeline. Ben. Yeah, and then there, they fix they fix society again. There, and there is no Pixar timeline. <laughs> Yeah. Well, first That's like a Zelda time. No. No. no, no. no. <laughs> Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, geekcastradio.com's newest podcast. Join us here on the Telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more. Only on geekcastradio.com. Are you looking for a weekly dose of gaming news and retro? Then check out Off the Cuff, available Fridays on GeekCast Radio Network from the producers of XRG. New name, same By the power of Grayskull, I command the Jawbridge. Open! Yes, that's right. We have traveled to Eternia to enter Castle Grayskull. Join Optimus Solo and TF2 and Mike as they find themselves telling tales of Eternia. We cover all things He-Man in this 45-episode-long podcast. You can find us on iTunes and www.geekassradio.com. By the power of Grayskull, we all have the power. But, oh man, did you hear that Pixar is now going to just not do sequels? Like they finally said they're not going to do anymore? Thank like, God. They're in, it's the end of the contractual agreement. They were contractually agree, agreed to do some sequels in the merger with Disney. So now they're with the, I think it's, what's the sequel that they have to do in order to be free? Oh, yeah, Finding Dory is going to be the last sequel. Yeah, I saw that. And I was like, oh. That's over. Isn't she a John Dory? Oh. That's a, that's a very delicious fish. She's like a little, yeah, it's just a little, they have one of those in the little aquarium thing that's like a, one of the airports. But, uh, but yeah, back to 80s obscure anime. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, a lot of, like, people have heard of Ghibli and they've probably seen a lot of the 90s stuff, but there is a lot of 80s stuff that people probably aren't aware of, like the Lupin movie. Oh, I, uh, I, yeah, Castle of uh, Calagrosso. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Which is uh, wonderful and beautiful. Um, there's also Panda Copanda, which well, no, wait, that's seventies. Never mind. Um, but Lupin, like the the Lupin series that came on in the eighties, like they eventually aired that in the United States. But even then, I wouldn't say it's like mainstream or anything. It's uh, they, they the localization that they did in the aughts for it. They added lots of eBay references. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they did. They they did they, try they, to... they modernized the fuck out of it. I remember a Shaq yeah. joke was in there somewhere. Yes. Oh god. And you know who Lupin was? It was uh, Tony Oliver. Oh wow! Yep. Really? Really? Yep. That's awesome. Power uh, Rangers. Yay! No. Yes. But um, yeah. So Lupin's I'm trying to think of some. 
trying to think of some other 80s obscure series, but, uh, oh, there was, like, oh, man, if you watched Nick Jr. back in, like, the uh, late 80s, early 90s, you would have seen Noozles and, uh, what was it, something, the little koala, and the little koala, yeah. the shows, yeah, yeah um, which were actually pretty close to the, well, in the Noozles, they changed a few, you th no, wait, Noozles didn't change a lot of things. Noozles was the crazy, there's an alternate universe with Dreamtime and everything like that. And then the Little Koala was just a straight-up, like, Maple Town clone. Mm. Which, Maple Town and Sylvanian Families had anime. That's, uh, I watched both of them. Mm. Yeah, there's some obscure. Uh, but yeah, Noozles was, like, fucked up shit. Because it was... Koalas live in an alternate dimension, and you can get there using koala magic. Yeah. Yeah. God, I can barely uh, remember those. There well, were... I mean, like, Nick Jr. had a lot of those, um, like, they were anime that they, like, Little little Folks, and then um, Maya the Bee. Was David the Gnome one of them? Yes, David. No, that's actually, I think that's actually French. Okay. Or, yeah, so I don't think that's actually Japanese. Okay, I'm uh, describe cities it. Of, they also had Cities of Gold. Yeah. And they also had Arcadia of My Youth. Oh, I'm going to describe an anime. I, I saw oh. only parts of this. It was on syndicated television. So none of the networks picked it up. I don't know what anything about it other than it was actually localized. Right. It had an 80s art style. Uh, the art style actually was very similar to Macross's art style, but the, I, I know it's not Macross. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I'm going to guess, uh, uh, goddamn, what's that, what's that space pirate one? It's, uh, uh, uh Harlock. Oh, yeah, Captain Harlock. I don't think it's Harlock. Let me describe the scene was that I... Qu Queen Millennia? Let me describe the fucking scene. <laughs> Galaxy Express 999? There was a scene where there's this guy... And hmm. he's with this girl that he loves, and they're, like, going on to a space station, but the girl's not allowed because she's actually an android. That's all I remember. See, I'm not going to get her off the, off the, <laughs> the scene. But That's when, a lot when, of when fucking did, series, dude. Yeah, when, when did you see this exactly? I saw it in 1991 off of Channel 27 in Dallas-Fort Worth. Okay, do you know do what the carrier? Do you know who the carrier was? Do you know if it was like Fox? Was no, it no, it was ABC? Channel Twenty Seven. It was a, it was a local. So it was independent. Yeah. Okay. Because there was one goofy Harlock show that this might. No, this been. was not goofy. This 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 scene was very solid. No, when I when I mean goofy is when, what I mean by goofy is that uh, there was one Harlock show in particular that uh, that Harmony Gold got their hands on. And, oh, that one. Yeah. Yeah, you already know what I'm talking about. It's uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. W what happened is uh, Harmony Gold, the the people who brought us Robotech, uh, they they bought uh, the first Harlock cartoon for syndication, and the guy went to Carl Masick. He's like, hey, I bought Captain Harlock, and he's like, uh, well, there's only like 40 some episodes, and we need 65 episodes for the syndication deal. And then he's like, what do we do? And they couldn't get the second Harlock show because they were just going to tack it on to the end. So they got. Queen Millennium, which is a show done by the same guy, and they mix the two shows together. So yeah, the casts from both shows they never meet, obviously, because it's two different cartoons. But they just spliced them together, a la Robotech. And it was it was a very weird experiment. I've never seen an episode of this. I really want to, but <laughs> um, nobody but knows if sounds... this even still exists anymore. 
But that sounds like what you saw because, yeah. like, I I do recall like it wasn't Robotech I was watching. I was watching something else that had a very seventy like that very seventies style. The Legion that I love so much. I mean, you, you because like I said, all I know of Macross was the original Macross and Do You Remember Love? And then I I, I said oh, I'm going to try out this Macross Frontier, and oh my god. I am so upset with myself of even yeah. doing that because I thought I was at least thinking to myself. I was thinking to myself, well, it, it's it's Macross. Of course, they're going to keep with the same art. Oh no, they yeah. didn't. If people oh, want to know, mean Macross, the quest for more money. Like, yeah. If people want to know why I don't care about brand recognition, I care more about who makes the cartoons. This is why because the original mm-hmm. Macross was done by God damn it, who's the artist? We're not mentioning his name, and we really should. Mickey uh, Moto. Mickey Moto. Yeah, Mickey yeah. Moto. The art is I, gorgeous. I love Mickey Moto, oh. and he's he only ever did that one version of Macross. He's never been back, and it's just... It's the one everyone remembers. I mean, because yeah. that art is just gorgeous. And like I said, I, I was thinking, oh, it's the Macross brand. Of course they had to keep that, keep, keep that no. awesome Mickey Moto art. And then yeah. I watched Frontier, I'm like, what the fuck is this? It's, yeah, he no. did. Oh, God, no. I would claw my eyes out now. And he did it Captain Harlock. It's generic as fuck. And mm-hmm. what else did he do? Um, Mikimoto? Yeah. Uh, he also did... Oh, God, what's that series called? Uh, the Marionette Generation. He also did... Uh, he did one of the Gundams. Um, wasn't it... Bubble Suit. Yeah, Bubble Suit Gundam Suit. 80. Yeah, that's it. He did yeah. that one. Yeah, very distinct style. It's like he and... Uh, God, now, what's the other guy? Uh, the guy who did... Uh, I'm cute. I'm gonna blank on names all night. Uh, Gunsmith no, no, Gats. go ahead. Gunsmith Cats, uh, the guy who did that. Oh, Sonata. Yeah, Sonata and Mickey Moto. Those are like the two names I always think of when I think of '80s anime. Yeah, like that. Well, Sonata is definitely the. He is '80s. He is. Yeah. Well, he's late '80s. I would say he's late '80s, and Mickey Moto represents early '80s. Yeah, and, and no, I love Mickey Moto. Like I said. Yeah, uh, you know, after I saw that one clip of Frontier, I was in the shower crying. I was like, I was yeah. like, because no, it, it was because it was a, it was a scene where where they, where they were doing a like a battle drill and uh, what's her name uh, the, the shitty the shitty uh, the shitty uh, lolly singer was singing. Uh, is it, my is boyfriend's it the puppy? Pilot. Is it the puppy or is it oh, the uh, whore? Ronka Lee. Yeah, it was yeah. Ronka Lee singing. My boyfriend is a pilot. Butchering the fuck out of that oh. song. It, 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 it's, it's, oh God, it's that new generic as fuck anime art style that well, everyone does now. It's Well, this was definitely the cash grab series because it had references to everything. It was, it was just basically, hey guys, remember Macross? Remember when that was good? Give me some money. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like the new, it was like Gundam Seed or whatever that was, that shit was. Which there were so many little Haro figures that came out of that, and that series sucked. That 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 just that era that both those series came out in was just like, ugh. I'm glad we're sort of getting out of that, or it feels like we're getting out of that. But anyway, the uh, the show that you said you saw, Ben, I can't I can't imagine what else it could have been other than Captain Harlock yeah. and Queen of the Thousand It has to, it has to be it has to be Captain Harlock cause like, because like either that or. I can't think Arcadia. of what else. I can't think of what else would have been uh, dubbed at that point. Yeah, because like the only other series I can think of that's similar to that wasn't dubbed until like a few years later, which is like Galaxy, 
Railroad. Yeah. Fort Worth, Texas had some really weird picks on their syndicated ch- channels. Well, I can okay, tell you, you that. Were, you were near a, you were near a university, so there is a possibility that like okay, so when I was three years old, I saw Kimba the White Lion um, because oh. it happened to come on the local PBS. And then when you saw the Lion King, you did you did the uh, you did the invasion of the Vice Snatchers scream, didn't you? <gasps> Actually. No, actually, see, like, I guess I've never, uh, the only thing I ever bitched about was, uh, was, um, Atlantis, just because it was, like... Naughty Secret of the Atlantis? Well, it's, 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 it's hilarious, because Atlantis is a copy of Nadia, which is a copy of the Disney's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which is, you know, the book, so, you know, there's some lineage here, and honestly, (laughs) and I recognized with, uh, with Lion King... Lion King is a copy of Kimba, which is a copy of Bambi. Well, even well, the thing is, even even Matt Groening recognized Kimba. Oh I no, Simba. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, no, no. Everyone, no one, everybody knows. But if you are, but if you ask Disney in an official interview, they don't know anything. Well, that's for legal reasons because you know, lawsuits ain't fun. Uh, but no, 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 no. Like I saw Kimba as a three-year-old, so I remember watching it and I was like, just mesmerized because it was just like, well, it wasn't very well animated, but like when they did do animation, it was really good. And like, they had really cute faces and it did remind me of Bambi. So, yay. So yeah, like, uh, but I think honestly what you saw is probably Captain Harlock because that's the only thing mm-hmm. I can think of, yeah. like, that would have that kind of robot and would have been translated at that point because... I know like, I didn't provide so, much, but I remember that scene vividly because because it was that, it was that like, it was like that art style and, and all that. It was like, whoa. And, you, you probably saw something very rare. <laughs> because yeah, no, you pro- no one's seen that in like 30 years <laughs> yeah like you saw you saw a snowflake it's like me who saw the weird owl uh saturday morning cartoon i saw that i know i, I can i can sing the song oh man let me tell you a story show, about a man named al that show is just that show is just weird and fun and i loved it and it got canceled after <laughs> one season well, I think it only went for like six episodes or something. It's because ridiculous. no one understood it. It wasn't for you. It was for Weird Al, and that's why I liked it because it was for Weird Al. With a special tattoo on her arm. Well, it lasts well, longer they, than Muppet yeah. Monsters. Oh God, Muppet <laughs> Monsters! Little Muppet Monsters. Oh my God, we could talk. We could go on all day about like '80s cartoons that like only saw the light of day. Like I actually have mentioned Wuzzles recently to people, and they're like, "What? What is Wuzzles?" And I'm like, "Oh my God, oh my God you don't remember Wuzzles?" That is the lost Disney cartoon. Wuzzles. The only reason that Gummy Bears still continue to air was that the one of the main characters died the voice actor died and wuzzles couldn't be they were like uh well he was a minor character on the on gummy bears so i guess we'll just continue gummy bears which made eisner very unhappy because wuzzles was his show yeah well gummy bears started because eisner picked up a package of gummy bears yeah son and he's like gummy bears this could make a show it's actually a good show. I mean, it's. Um, I, I it's know, but definitely... when, it, when I heard that story, I'm like, oh my god! Didn't like Black Forest Candies sue him? 
No, well, because, you know, back then, rights weren't as big a deal because people were still sharing and not being dicks. So, and also, like, there probably wasn't a trademark on the particular way they were saying it. So, but it doesn't really matter. It was just a fun show, and I'm, it was proto-Disney Afternoon, which, when I think 80s, that's, <laughs> I think of, like, Disney Afternoon. Like, you come home, there's Disney Afternoon, and then later on in the 90s, you got Batman the Animated Series, so. Yeah, but yeah, it's, like, it's, I'm actually glad that I can be in a room with you guys and we can, like, pick apart and figure out what obscure anime I saw only five, <laughs> five minutes of in 1990 when I was. <laughs> no, no, I've had, I've had moments like this, uh, like, I've remembered, I've remembered shows vaguely and then, like, like, the first movie that I can recall seeing is Porky's. And I didn't know what it was. No wonder you are the way you are. Yeah, like actually the scene that I vividly remember is the matronly woman pulling the guy's dick through the glory hole. Like that—that oh. that is a scene that I vividly remembered for years. And it wasn't until like I, I was like, I don't remember how old I was, but it was like I was over at a friend's and they were watching Porky's and I was like, holy fucking shit, this is the first movie I ever saw. You know what the first movie I ever saw was? What? Spaceballs. Oh, man. Did I ever tell you about the time I showed that to my sister's kids? And I forgot about all the dick jokes in it. <laughs> Spaceballs <laughs> or Porky's? Spaceballs. Uh, I would well, not have shown them Porky's. porky's is, but... Yeah, do not show por Porky. My dad did not know I was watching. That's the only reason that I got but, to watch. Uh, but, uh, like, but I actually, I actually saw Spaceballs, like... Almost a hundred times before I ever saw Star Wars. Wow. I, I have to say, and that actually... Ex that explains how I am the way I am. No, no, I saw Spaceballs before I saw Star Wars as well. But also, like, I think this... Let's see. And then Ghostbusters was my brother's favorite movie, so we watched that all the time. Oh, yeah, like, I, was a I was a big Ghostbusters fanboy back in the day, too. Oh, we loved the, we loved the movie. The movie was, like, our favorite thing and then like the tv series was really good too but yeah porkies i saw that when i was three years old i was i still remember it sneaking in watching and being like the fuck <laughs> why is he doing that with his dick i remember oh, seeing well. the first dragon ball movie when i was when i was uh, uh, my first visit to korea after i was born yeah my sister we saw the first dragon ball movie and mm. dubbed in korean and uh and I I know it was the first Dragon Ball movie because I described scenes in it and yeah, my friend yeah. Pablo's like yeah that's the first movie I'm like so, like I remember there's a scene where like Bulma gets uh, gets trapped you know is like hanging over a cliff hanging onto a uh, onto a branch and she's peeing her pants and I describe that's the oh. only scene I really remember and and my friend Pablo's like that's the first Dragon Ball movie oh man I remember like I remember seeing Dragon Ball when I lived in Japan. And, like, it wasn't, like, I didn't really think much of it, because it really, if it, I remember... It, 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 it to, to me, to me I, all I remember is the first three movies I saw. The first movie hmm. was the one about this monster that ate the Dragon Balls. The second one is yeah. about Dracula with a giant syringe trying to drain Bulma's blood. Yeah. And the third one was, like, about an Indian tribe. And uh, <laughs> and yeah. all I remember is, is it was a very cute cutesy kind of like action adventure kind of feeling in the first three Dragon Ball movies and then yeah. like 
three or four years later in America, I saw the Ocean Dub of Dragon Ball Z. I'm like, why is Goku an adult and why is he killing people? What, what happened? Okay, the thing is, is that I saw the original Dragon Ball. Um, and when I saw the original Dragon Ball air in the United States, and even, like, I remember reading that, like, that NES game that they released, Dragon something, they called it Dragon uh, yeah. Spirit or something like that. Something it was like actually that. the Dragon Ball game. And I remember going... I remember seeing something like that. And then they released the original Dragon Ball series here. And it, well, here I say here, but, you know, in the United States. And I was like, holy fucking shit. I remember seeing this. This is crazy. Because there used to be, like, advertisements for it all over television for toys. And this is before Z. So um, I think Z came out, like... Wasn't it like 1988 or something like that? In Japan. In, in, America, yeah, in, yeah, Z, Japan. in America, Z came out like 93, 94. The ocean it, no, it was 96 because I remember reading the uh, the TV guide. No, it, oh, I'm and, talking about the ocean dub. The, the, yeah, no, 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 no. It aired first. And uh, I remember I used to read the, the, the TV guide every week to find out if new anime was coming out because like that's how I found Sailor Moon. And it was in 1996... I saw DBZ, and I was like, that's Dragon Ball Z, and I recorded it. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so, like, seeing Dragon Ball Z was even crazier, because, like, I was like, but there's a lot more Dragon Ball. What the fuck? Um, oh, the other series that I remember from the 80s, Doraemon. Uh, which is that is, the one about the cat? Yeah, it's about, okay, so it's about a guy named um, Nobi Nobita, and he's about 10 years old, and uh, he's a fuck-up. And one day he gets a visit from one of his descendants who's like, you're a total fuck-up, and because of your mistakes, even though I'm your, like, great-great-great-great-grandson, we're still paying for your shit. So we're going to give you this robot cat who's total fuck-up and had his ears eaten off by a mouse, and now he's terrified of mice. Uh, we're going to give you his this robot cat who's going to try to make your life better by giving you things. And every every uh, chapter is about Nobita has a problem. Like, okay, in one, one episode, uh, Nobita is angry that uh, the, the bully named Gion, which sounds like giant, uh, has been beating him up. So uh, Doraemon gives him this thing called the Mah Mah Pole, which means calm, calm. And whenever he puts it over someone's mouth, they calm down, they go, mahika, which means, oh, well, you know, then they walk away. And so he keeps using this on the bully to the point where the anger has pent up to volcanic uh, proportions, and they have to take him to a hill where he explodes. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous children's stuff, but I, I remember every Friday night it would come on, and so... I would record it as well because I knew that we were going to eventually move back to the States and I wanted to have a copy of this so I could remember it. And every that would come on every Friday night and I'd watch that. And then Saint Seiya came on every Saturday night and right before that came on, uh, Takashi's Castle came on. So like Saturday night was like the greatest night ever because you get Takashi's Castle and then you got Saint Seiya. So, yeah. Saint Seiya. <laughs> I mean, it was just great. I mean, it, oh well, it, well we, yeah. We, well, let's talk about uh, Project Echo. Oh so, pro yeah, we we haven't even talked about Project like Project Echo is like one of those series that uh, it's like you should show it to everyone because it's like the 
ultimate and like anime it's the ultimate tropes. it's the ultimate eighties anime it really honestly is it has mecha type deals it has suits it has aliens it has, uh, ref, it has refer- girls in, it has girls in the in the in the school, school uniforms fighting fighting and uh, it has uh it, oh, and it also was, it, was, it, it started it, it started as a hentai. Yep, and, and it also plays loose with uh, Western stuff, like in that they imply that her dad is like Superman or something. And, and her mom is Wonder Woman, and Biko mm-hmm. is the daughter of Tony Stark. Yep, and it's, it, so it's it's a it's a fun and like yeah, you can definitely tell that it was going to be a hentai with that bath scene. Yeah, with Seiko. I mean, like in the bath rubbing her breasts like yeah you can see why people like like if you saw that you'd think all anime is like porn i'll be in the butt. but yeah <laughs> see this was the anime everyone everyone thought that that akira was like the greatest thing ever and i was like no, no. fuck that i'm gonna stick with dirty pair and project aiko <laughs> <laughs> well i think what it is is it's the same reason i think a lot of people like the new man of steel movie it's just the sheer amount of the, destruction the, and well actually actually explosion actually isn't the destruction in project aiko worse than the destruction of akira no um, it is not it's no. not on the same scale no, Akira's the, the the scale of destruction in Akira. So is... so 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 uh, people who like Akira and Man of Steel like uh, like destruction porn. Well, yeah, it's basically I think but... what's going on is they're mistaking visuals for like I hear a lot of them say it's a great story, and I'm like, no, okay, well then tell me what's your favorite part, and then they just ex- they just describe visuals and explosions, yeah. and that's when I I've, I've come to the con- I I haven't seen the movie, but I. I've been spoiled to live, like hell and back. I've seen so many clips, and I'm You're probably going to go see it this week. Yes, thank you very much, because I needed that. I'm going to go see it just because of a sheer, like, morbid curiosity of, like, I want to see exactly, like, why they like this. But my, my, my theory is is that it really comes down to... It, Kira is very beautiful visually. The, the, I will admit that, like, you know, the story is a little weird, and it Shit. is... Yeah. It's 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 definitely that late eighties, uh, like let's delve into the mind and bullshit like that. And but it, it it's it holds up visually, and that's why I think it's seen as like a great movie. And like that's fine. It's fine to say a movie is great visually, yeah. but it's definitely explosions. Yeah, but Akira yeah. and like Project Eco's got explosions in it. Yeah, and Akira was or God. Project Aiko was was much more fun with that. I mean, you weren't supposed yeah. to believe that Aiko really cared about the destruction going oh, on. Oh hell no! <laughs> she oh, well, like, and I think that's, people dying I think all around her. She doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, there's a Superman. I mean, I mean, yeah. someone throws oh, a tanker yeah. truck at him. He just jumps over it and lets it hit the building behind him and explode without glancing backwards. Well, and I, I think that's also hitting on the other thing. Project Aiko is fun. Akira is not, and there seems to be this like underlying current of. You can't have fun. And that seems to be happening a lot lately. Like, like in the 80s, you had series where, like, there was fun and explosions. And there's definitely a lot of series like that still. Like, they're just not mainstream. Like, it's now not okay to revel, except unless it's, like, the Expendables, I guess. It's okay well, to revel. Shawarma? Shawarma, yes. 
Yeah, that that's actually a fun movie. But I think like with Man of Steel, it's in that tradition of like I, I, you I can th- never I, have fun. I, I think Man of Steel was like they saw the 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 New York fight in Avengers and like well in Superman we had to well, stop that. It's it, I'm not going to talk about Man of Steel because like I said I haven't seen it. But like it's definitely obvious in a lot of the recent movies that they're just trying to top the Avengers, and it's like you know instead of trying to do that, why don't you try to do something I don't know different. Like, Into Darkness, Star Trek Into Darkness was irritating as fuck. It was like, oh my god, here here goes the Enterprise through San Francisco, killing shit tons of people. No one gives a shit. Oh well. Well, we, and yeah, but anyway, we're digressing. But the, the fun, the fun aspect in, like, ACO was definitely something that I think is the reason I like it better. Like things like, Oh man. And then like, he's got writing bean on his list and like writing bean was like my brother's favorite fucking anime because you know, cars, guns, let's revel in American, American violence. Chicago. Yeah, I know it was great. Oh my God. Mustangs and Shelby Cobras. You're just like drooling and drooling over those cars. Oh, I think Neil's drooling over other things. Yes. Well, yes, the girls yes. are also pretty. Was Gunsmith Cats 90s or 80s? It's it was Sonata, 90s. So, it's, oh. I'm pretty it's sure so it's 90s. It's so 80s feeling. It's so 80s feeling that you're like, you think it's 80s. Well, that's that's, sure that's, that's the biggest thing. Half the things that would be on this list actually came out of the 90s. Like, I, I was originally going to say DNA squared, no. but no, that's that's 90s. But I, was I think put, what it is is... I was going to oh, put Raujan Z on my list just because that counters Akira. But sadly, yeah. that's 90s as well. I think one of the problems is that, uh, you know, when anime really started to become uh, not exactly mainstream, but when it was coming to public attention back in the 90s, we were getting a mix of 90s and 80s anime. Yeah. So that's mixed in our heads that we can't tell them apart. <laughs> well, actually, part of it was also the art style and stuff like that. The the really good creators still kept with the old 80s art style, the old 80s yeah. animation direction. Until yeah. they were finally forced out, and everyone was doing was doing generic shit again. Yeah, it's really just that I think what's going on is is that the era we're talking about stretches a little further than like just the decade. Like I would say that like what we're talking about is not what was going on in the early eighties because like you know Macross and Gundam are definitely like the first ones are definitely a, the seventies late seventies early eighties, and I think what we're we're hitting on is. The period we're talking about is like mid to late 80s to early 90s. So it sort of blends into itself. So like if we if there's like an era we could call that, that's probably what this yeah. is. Because a lot of the artists got their start late in the 80s. Yeah, it's kind of like 70s yeah. Hanna-Barbera. You know, when we did that episode, we kind of yeah. had to bleed into the 80s just a little bit because you couldn't really define it otherwise. Because because yeah. it's not like it's not like New Year 1980 or New Year 1990 yeah. started. It's not like in Japan New Year 1990 hit and they're like, okay, it's the, it's the 90s. We have yeah. to do everything super angular now. Okay, all you good artists, you have to quit now. Sorry. Yeah. And then things in America got kind of weird as far as like, I remember like the the early 90s was like totally different than anything like that had come before. Like it was different than the late 80s and it was like different from the rest of the 90s. Like, there's this brief period in, like, 1990 to 1993 that's, like, way different. So, like, you can't really... I can't you can't classify these, like, by eras because 
like by decades, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and so that's why I guess we can like, you know, Tyler, it's clearly a 90s series, but it does not feel that way. At it all. is so 80s. It is like the perfection of the 80s. That theme song. That oh, is so 80s. That, that theme song is such a love letter to the 80s. Oh, yeah, speaking it really of, honestly is. Speaking of theme songs that are totally 80s, how about the one from Project Echo? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that, yeah. that 80s pop song that they actually got an American singer to do. I know. Well, that was that was that was a hot thing to do. But I I actually okay. So I've been watching this series called Attack on Titan, and it's really good. I highly recommend it. Like the first two episodes are not very well animated, just because like I think they were just trying to say like blah blah blah. This is the backstory. Here we go. But you get into like into it, and the violence is just awesome, and it's really good. But the thing is, is that it has this like feel of like going back in time. Like that theme song does not feel like a 2013 theme song. It feels more like I would I would honestly say it feels more like a 90s theme song. And the series it definitely does not have that feel. So maybe we can say that there are some series that are like out of time, like. It's like doing a black and white film today. And here's another one that I thought was an 80s, but it turns out it was June 1990. Hmm. Central Park Media. Uh, Lotos. Lotos Wars. Yeah. yeah, but Lotos feels more 90s to me. Really? Like, Lotos, uh, has, Lotos to me has like these really gentle 80s curves in the art. No. Well, okay, maybe the art kind of feels 80s, but like it... I associate with the 90s because to me, like the 80s are very heavily sci-fi and realism, I would say. Um, whereas the 90s is steeped in like fantasy. It's like there you can't go if you're in the 90s, you can't step anywhere without stepping into some fantasy. So that's why I think that Lotos is more it's like at the beginning of that. It actually that all started in like the late '80s with like Vampire Hunter D and all that, and then really got into its its stride in the '90s. So yeah, I think of that as a '90s series. Hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. But like yeah. I said, I always I always loved Lotus because no it's no Lotus so is gorgeous. good. It's just it's just it, it, I guess what I think of is like I said, '90s is mostly fantasy. And that's why, like, Captain Tyler feels so weird being a 90s series. Because it's like, if you look at the year it was released, it's, like, surrounded by, like, Rare Earth and uh, Slayers and God knows what other fantasy series was out at that point. Because everybody was doing a fantasy series at that point. Escaflone. So, so Yeah. All right, so what else do we have uh, left in the list, guys? Or do, do you think we have a good wrapping up point? Well, I think the only one left would be Crusher Joe, which it's not its not my favorite anime, uh, space anime from the 80s, but it's like the most typical of what I would think of as like great 80s anime, just because it's, it's, a, it's a space cartoon. It's like, it's like Han Solo the anime. He's got like, he's got like the, uh, the space uh, princess that is his, uh, his navigator. Oh, yeah. He's got he's got the big android who hangs out with him. He's got the little kid that's the that's uh I, I forget what the kid does. And of course he's got the robot that's like R two D two and uh, C three PO and one. And uh, there's a movie and two OVAs and it's roughly around four hours of cartoon and it's it it, call, it all comes in one set and I, it's one of my favorites. So 
Oh, it's fair. It, oh, this was okay. Yeah, it's so like I think like, it's like eighty-five or something. Eighty-three, and oh, it actually wow. was start. It was started in nineteen seventy-nine. It was wow. just recently finished. Ooh, like it's a light novel series. It was recently finished in twenty thirteen. But yeah, like the art style, that one always like I don't know that one feel like I was like trying to remember that one, and now I'm seeing art from it. And I'm like, yeah, it's very seventies looking. Like it that's is an little. example. It's an example of one of those, like, it sort of bled into the the 80s. But it, it definitely has that 80s space... Like, yeah, the 80s is just full of spaceship, so... Yeah, and it's also got kind of sort of a connection to the Dirty Pair, and there's yeah. kind right. of kind of a rumor that uh, that uh, that he and uh, Alfin are, uh, are the mother and father of, uh, of Yuri. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Because Elfin actually kind of looks like Yuri. Right. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So I, I'm trying to think of any other series and like, I'm just like only thinking of mainstream ones at this point, like yeah. Tenchi Mu- Muyo, which was actually 90s. And then, well, actually that was 80s slash 90s. Yeah. I had a couple more here yeah. that I haven't actually seen, but I just threw them on here in case you guys mm. saw them, which is uh, Royal Space Force, The Wings of Oniamas. I've only and, seen, like, one episode of that. Yeah, and apparently it's, like, this really beautifully animated anime. I've never seen it. It is. It's gorgeous, and everyone's recommended it to yeah. me, but, like, it is hard as hell to get, and not as much as anymore, but... Yeah. Gal Force I remember seeing, but I barely remember it. Yeah. And then, of course, yeah. there's Megazone 2-3, which... I've only seen the bad version of that, which is uh, <laughs> Robotech the movie. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is also obscure. <laughs> but what we've learned from this is that the 80s there was a lot of bad translations and it was hard to get and you you held on to that 40 dollar vhs when you could get it oh man i remember just i i had a, i think i had a copy of writing beam it was it was expensive as hell wow 40 bucks <laughs> yeah i don't know if that anime is worth 40 bucks well, you know, you're you're back in you, it's it's 1997. You're like, I've got some money, and I want some anime. I'll mm. buy it. That's because true. you live in bumfuck nowhere, and you aren't going to be able to rent it. So. Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of looking I'm kind of looking at that from today's perspective, where I was like, hmm, I've oh. seen I've seen Gunsmith Cats. <laughs> I know and that, that that's the thing. Like you look back, and you're like how the fuck did I spend all that money? And then, then you have to remember that it was a lot different back then. Yeah. You weren't going to come across this as often. And like what you would do is, is like you would buy a few series and then your friends would buy a few series and then you'd share them amongst each other. That's true. And compared to yeah. what was on TV at the time, it was far and ahead better. Must see TV, NBC. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, and like uh, and, and like uh, GI Joe Extreme and all that other bullshit that was going uh, on in the '90s. See, there were a couple of years in the '90s where I just didn't watch animation at all. It, it was like exclusively anime. <laughs> well, I mean, there, for, fortunately, uh, cartoon cartoons had come along. Yeah, in the that, '90s. That's what saved it for me when Cartoon Network yeah. started doing original animation. Yeah, and so like TBS had original animation too. So. There were some, like, safe havens, but, it, yeah, like, thinking about, like, before the internet is, you know, 
you have to remember that things were much harder getting across, like getting things was much harder. So dropping like $200 on a VHS box set, like, you know, and this is $200 in like nineties money. Uh, that's a lot, but that was how you're going to get it. You aren't going to get it any other way. That's true. Oh yeah. Kids these days don't know how good they get it. <laughs> All right, so uh, that's uh, our special on obscure '80s anime and other optophic things. Yeah. Uh, so overall, that's that's our take on it. It's a good mix of of awesome stuff, great stylings, great art, great oh. animation, sci-fi, girls, girls, girls. Uh, is yes. Rose Ben with TV's Mister Neil and Kitty Hawk of Sparkling Generation, Valkyrie Yuki, SGBY.com, sexy fun. All right, we're saying good night.
Don't you just love being in the spotlight? I don't remember having such a big audience in a long time, do you? You haven't forgotten the routine. You bet I haven't.
girls, girls, girls. Sounds like Mrs. Garrett. I sent you. I sent you two more pages, Neil, of this uh, of this artist. This is another manga he did. I think you'll like these two pages. Okay. Okay, she's slamming her heel into someone. Yes. Yep. A nicely, uh, nicely positioned arm. Yes. Yeah, and like I saw the I saw the art in Family Compo, and I was, I was the whole time I was going, "This looks so familiar." <laughs> and then and then it hit me. Oh my god! It's the guy who did City Hunter, and now he's doing. TG Manga. This. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty excellent. I mean Well the thing I, is he did all he he has eight series under his belt and in in a relatively in in a couple of decades and he was able to keep the quality after all these years. What does that tell you? Well I think he's well he I know he has assistance. Like the thing is is that when you see that level of quality, you you've gotta assume there are going to be assistants because I'm sorry, doing backgrounds is really hard. Like, um, if you look at, like, early Yotsuba, or, like, early uh, Azuma art, there's hardly any backgrounds. Mm. But he got assistance, and now there are backgrounds. So, you know, he can focus on making the characters look gorgeous, and then he can let the assistants do the rest. And it sounds like I'm like, oh, he's got assistance. But actually, that's the truth. The honest truth is, is that it's hard to put out a 40-page comic per month if you're just doing it yourself. And that's what he's doing. So, I mean, you can, but then you're going to end up with, like... I mean, one of the biggest sins I see in manga is it's a two-panel on one page, and there are no backgrounds, and one of the panels doesn't even have any figures in it. (laughs) There you go. I got a page. But that's what happens when it's just you and you've got a deadline. Like, uh, like honestly, Yotsuba doesn't even have backgrounds sometimes when it gets released in the in the magazine. It doesn't get a background until it gets released as a comic, and this is becoming common and irritating. I don't know why. I think it's just that they're trying to rush. It's it just seems like a trend with like anime and manga that they're just rushing these people, and it's really hurting the quality. Yeah, but like I, I said, I guess every time I see this guy's art, I just I just like. More he's ama- No, he's amazing, but like I said, he can be this amazing because he has a support group. Like, he has a support to be able to be that amazing. And, I mean, that that sucks for most people. And, like, he, probably he could do the, the series by himself, but he just wouldn't have backgrounds. Well, I, I, as long as he draws those girls. Yeah, I mean, the girls are fine. Like, he could probably get away with just doing the girls. But, I mean, the cars... <laughs> But part of part of part of the reason that his art is the as wonderful it is 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 it's not just the girls it's the attention to detail in the environments the environments are very rich you know I think it's the whole package like you can appreciate he has the, the whole package more. I agree he does have the whole uh, package yes he does and he definitely and so that's why I'm saying like I know but I, it's just rec- so it's just so weird to me because he does all these like high action like. 80s action movie stories like City Hunter and Rash and Cat's Eye. And then it does a TG comic, Family Compo. That's so weird to me. But think about like when he started Family Compo. When Family Compo got started, TG issues in Japan were kind of still a taboo sort of thing. They really weren't like completely open to it. Like there's sort of like there seems to be a switch in like the attitude in Japan and Korea. And I think what happened is, is I think he saw that this was happening, and he decided, okay, I'll do a series about that. You know, 
but I'll be you gotta admit proactive. That, you gotta admit that that's kind of you know just so you know action adventure guy doing doing. <laughs> I know it's 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 just it's it's it was definitely a shock to see that like he he was the artist for that, but it. Oh, I mean, but he, like looking he at his looks like, so young. The artist. Yeah, like it's. Look at let me him. See. Let me see this guy. This was three years ago, but. Let's see, when did he get start? Oh my god, he's as old as my mom. But look at how young he looks. Well, he, he's. Let's see. He did not have any inspiration for these works other than having to meet a deadline. <laughs> oh, he's the one who's like crazy and has no idea what he's writing until he gets to that point. He uh he actually has he never he never goes into a series, um, he never goes into a series with a plan, and that's why he's considered crazy. <laughs> crazy he, he, like yeah, a well, fox. I mean, that's ins- you know, I my hat goes off to this man because he's doing this because I can't imagine going in and just saying, well, I've actually done it before, but I mean, it is hair-raising to say, all right, by tomorrow, I have to have a comic done. What's it going to be about? And that was me, actually, a couple of days ago. (laughs) Oh, God, I got to turn this thing in. What is this about? (laughs) Okay, I want to draw a comic about a girl in a bed. Done! Let's go! (laughs) Don't you admit that he, it's like, he doesn't look old? Um, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't look that old. I mean, he looks like, but then again, like, there are some people that just don't age. They just, I, I, know, I know, but after, yeah. but the, the level of work produced, even with, even with assistance and Whoa! the number of works produced, you know, I, I've seen artists that are aged by it, by 10 years and five years. Yeah. Well, I think it's actually, I think it's actually like, what's your, per, what's your personality, what's your personality? Um, like, Akira Toriyama looks a lot younger than you you'd imagine. Like, and he's I don't know how old Akira Toriyama is now, but he's in his fifties at least. But he looks a lot younger than you imagine. And actually, if you look at old pictures of him, he looks the same. It's like he hasn't changed. I think part of it is the Asian diet. Well, it's part it's partly that, and also I would say in the case of Toriyama and that other guy, they're doing something that they enjoy, and I think like, if you do something you enjoy, like you're not going to destroy yourself. I mean, well, like, yeah, this guy it. gets to draw sexy women the old-fashioned way. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like he's doing what he wants, and it's obvious that uh, that you know when you do that, you aren't stressed and you aren't going to look like a hag. Uh, like the the clamp girls actually still look really good, and they're like in their forties now, and they still look really good. And actually, I would say they look a hell of a lot better than they did in their twenties. Like, because there were pictures of them in their twenties, and they looked haggard, but now they don't look as haggard as they did. So, back so, then. so, Neil, what do you think of the girls this guy draws? Anyways, I I didn't hear a final analysis. Pretty nice. But don't you agree that more Japanese artists draw girls like that? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Very non-committal from Neil today. Apparently Toriyama's been doing fan art of other series recently. Oh, man. Like of Naruto and Captain America. But I've heard because he hates inking. 
he hates it with a passion, so that's why he doesn't want to work on comics anymore. He should just he just should draw video game art again. Well, I think like he's gotten into that point where he's just basically like, I'll just do illustrations and I'll do a short story. I meant to bring up during the show. We should have talked about that that Dragon Ball video game that came out for the NES because I had heard that at the very ending, someone probably Roshi makes a wish for Bulma's panties, and in the American version, they change it to a sandwich. Bulma sandwich? No, just a regular sandwich. Okay, because that sounds like a euphemism for... Yeah, yeah I know. Well... Oh, oh it, was done, it was done by Tose. Alright. Tose did a lot of the games back in the day under different... Uh, like, people would commission them to do games for them. Yeah. Um, They're kind of like the Japanese version of Rare. Yeah, they of. really honestly... Well, they yeah, more like Codemasters, I'd say. Kitty Hawk, I will buy your rock. <laughs> what? Rock? It was a Simpsons reference because oh, Lisa yes. has the rock that keeps tigers away. Oh yeah. Okay, Dragon Power was the name of the ser- that was the name of the game. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Dragon Dragon Power. That I was during that, that brief time when they were like, no one knows what this property is. We have to change it completely. Oh like, man, they, they did were with the really Ranma bad game. about that. Oh man! Well, they did that. They did that a lot back then, just because like um, they were like, "Oh, they'll be scared of the Japanese." Well, also, it was localization was really big back then, because then it was way to pretend like it was American. Because I remember people telling me that Nintendo was American, and I was like, "You are fucking stupid." But it, it was part of that whole. Because like, if you if you look into different countries and like what corporations did in order to hide the fact that like things were. <laughs> globalized it's hilarious because like here in australia they don't they didn't have sprite they had lift so it was just like this an attempt to try to say oh well you're special you've got this like thing no one else has it hungry jacks hungry well hungry jack is actually because someone already had the rights to the name burger king in adelaide and so they had to change it uh so that was but here like Woolworths, so you know what you know they, you know they call a kangaroo burger at the it, at Hungry Jacks, mm. a jumping jack. A jumping jack. That's pretty good. Thank you. Uh, they actually don't sell like kangaroo at the at the fast food place. I know that, that that's why it's a joke. I know it is, but I'm disappointed. I am I am disappointed, but I don't think they can get massive amounts. But so. you can get a lamb burger at uh, at McDonald's. Oh god, that thing was terrible. <laughs> that burger was terrible. They're trying so hard. They they keep releasing lamb burgers because I think they're trying to make it work. Well, uh, the, the problem is lamb really works. You, you know, lamb doesn't ground lamb doesn't really work. Well, okay, let me put it this way: they have made lamb work in other countries, but, but not I think ground. Well, lamb no, is, no, lamb they is have. For, lamb is meant for like tender chops and and steaks. If you want it ground, you have to wait until it's older. Then you have yeah. mutton. Mutton well, but, is ground. Yeah, and so they, they actually sell like it in other countries. I think they were just trying to formulate it towards the Australian uh, taste, and they totally failed at that. Like I said, it has to be older to be ground. It has to, that way yeah. it has more flavor in it. That's that's. Why I don't think they. I don't think they mind here in Australia. I think they'll eat the sheep regardless of its age. I mean, there's you, you go to the grocery store and it's just lamb, mutton. 
everywhere. There's an entire, like, you know, in America, you only see, like, a tiny little section with lamb. They got a whole fucking section with lamb. I know. I, and like I said, I always look for mutton if I ever wanted to make yeah. a separate pie because because the older the lamb is, the better the grind has, you know, has more of the connective tissue that, that when you yeah. cook it just right, it melts into, like, I, I actually prefer beef in my shepherd's pie, but that's just me. That, that's a cottage pie. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I like that better. Yeah, like I said, I really had fun with on with the beacon with you, Kitty Hawk. Because oh it's... yeah, that was that was pretty fun today. I, well, I think it's actually fun to get like into the debate and shit like that. Because um, because like his fest gets really flustered because he doesn't know anything. Well, he's he's. <laughs> I think I think the deal is is that I don't think there's a lot of debate on the show in general. I think it's generally like, but we we tend to bring up like controversial things like, are Kickstarters really the way to make money? Or me bringing up the prison thing today. But I had to bring that up because it really is something that webcomic artists should be right. Well, the biggest, the, like I said, the biggest thing that bothered me about Kickstarters is it originally started as like a way to fund moonshot projects, and now it's I need you guys to pay my bills. Yeah, well, it, it's 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 my my only issue is is that doing a book on Kickstarter seems really like it really feels like please give me a salary and like I'm not my thing is is that. I, I, okay, if you're going to admit that this is like you're just getting a salary, then I'm okay with it because at least you're admitting what you're doing. But if you're going to honestly say, I'm going to go get a run of books and everything like that, well, I'm so sorry. There's nothing stopping these people who do this from taking your money and then go doing print-on-demand and ultimately saving themselves some money because then they can, instead of doing the large run, they can just do like, a few and send it out to the people who supported the Kickstarter. Right. And then, and then just have it on a print by print on demand service. And then yeah, uh, yeah. once, once a book, it just prints book at a time. And then they sit on a big pile of money. And there's money. Not, like, and, and I'm sure the thing is, is that most people that do these Kickstarters are honest and they do spend the money on the run of books. It's just that, there is that thing where I know that there's this thing called print-on-demand, and there's a lot of times where you can't tell the difference between the print-on-demand book and the printed book without it's a black really... and, It's a black-and-white instruction book on how to do web comics. Of course you can't tell the difference because, because there's no color prints in it. Or it's not high DPI. It's just well, what, X. What I'm, what I'm pointing out is, is like it, unless you were to really be into printing, you probably can then tell the difference between a traditionally printed book and a print-on-demand book. But knowing that, like, a lot of things are going to print-on-demand, it's it's just, if you're going to do a book on Kickstarter, you need to convince me that this book is somehow different than a print-on-demand book. Like, is this, like, a hardcover, like, special edition, which comes with actual printed plates? Then I'm willing I'll to pay money Barada. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, coated in human skin. Sure. Okay. That's a value added right there. But, but, but I'm just saying that, like, I, I don't understand. Like, if these people were to just honestly say, please pay my salary, I need you guys to pay my bills. That's fine. That's fine. Pay the bills. But the thing is, is I think people wouldn't be as readily available to give them money. And I know that there's some of you that don't. Oh, I'm quoting uh, YouTube poop and. No, but it's it's just it's just you know I I 
I don't say that no one can, that, I think Fess thought I was saying they shouldn't be able to make money, but I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that. They should be honest that they want someone to pay their bills. Yeah, yeah it's it's the honesty that I'm looking for. And also, like, trying to say that every single one of those Kickstarters is successful is also ridiculous. Because they're, for all the successful ones that we talk about on the show. There's ten failures. Yeah, there, well, there's more than that. There's so many failures. I know. Like, like well, let's say Neil has a Kickstarter that's called, pay, you know, pay me so I can just sit at home and, and watch porn all day. And, yeah. and, 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 and he got 50, six, you know, 50 to 60K, and he doesn't have to produce anything. And he just gets to sit ho- at home and watch porn all day. But and that's exactly fine. what he said he'll do. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of like, okay, Neil. But that's but that's the thing. Like he, he if he comes right out and says that, then I'm actually okay with this. But so when, so Neil, so Neil, how is that? How is that? Let me just sit home and watch porn all day. Hold on, I, I was I didn't say I was gonna do it. My my point in that was in making a scenario so preposterous that nobody would actually fund it. But if someone actually did, and if they understood the conditions, then no actual then no actual fraud was being committed. Whereas you have someone who does a Kickstarter for a video series, gets sixteen thousand, and then reads shit that she gets off of Wikipedia. AVGN, AVGN movie. Well, AVGN is see that's an example of something that's like that's a lot less honest than what my example was because it, it's just <laughs> because he doesn't see he's been sitting on Cheetah that Man movie 2? for how long now? Cheetah Man Two. Yeah. Well, Cheetah Man Two. You know that was already like fan translated and fixed. So what are what are they funding? Uh, it, oh, Kitty Hawk, did you did you know about Cheetah Man two? Before you go, uh, uh, about what? Cheetah Man two. Oh God. Uh, Neil Cheetah Man two. Neil Taylor. Yeah. Uh, basically, you know about the shitty uh, NES game that came out of like on a Action Fifty Two cart like years and years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, the the creator of that game decided to go back and fix it. And he did a Kickstarter for it. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You know, I kind of hang around on uh, romhacking.net. And uh, I happen to know that someone already did that. Someone already fixed Cheetah Men 2 and made it so that it's actually sort of playable. It doesn't doesn't have the the bug anymore where you can't get past stage four. You can actually play it at the end. And so there's this Kickstarter saying that he's going to do exactly that. And I'm like, but that already exists. Why should anyone put money into this? Unless he's going to actually like release it on different platforms, like no, he's going to release it as an NES cartridge. Yeah, just an NES. Well, then fuck him. Then fuck him because he's not actually adding any value. And actually, that's well, that's technically again he's infringing it by doing that. He's infringing on uh, Nintendo's intellectual property, despite the fact that I don't believe that in that it is real. And I know, but the really slimy part comes um... later. Oh well, boy! Actually, I don't. I don't think Nintendo has any stake in that because that's one of those. Uh... But I'm just pointing out that, like, what he's doing is, is he's building one. He's building for a dead system, and two, it's like uh, you kind of have to have a li- still have a license for that. But also, the my biggest point is, why are you releasing it as a NES-ROM? But but the big thing is a certain internet, yeah, famous a- guy, uh, AVGN hopped on board with that. Yes, what, he did. What did they do? He basically endorsed it. He, yeah, yeah. He appeared okay. at the YouTube video that that was uh, to for, promote it. To promote it, yeah. Basically, okay. telling people, you know, 
donate to this. I endorse this project. This is this is a legitimate project. It where where, where like Neil said, there was a free ROM already available in the in the ROM community that yeah. anyone can grab of this game already fixed. And here's this guy trying to sell NES cartridges. Well, uh, okay, so this is the original creator of of it. Cheetah Man too, yes. Of Cheetah Man. Okay, so the thing is, okay, so here's what I, I say about this. There's nothing wrong with supporting the guy because I'm sorry, like he is presenting that he's going to do this. Though, even though it's already been done, you can still do that again. Now, my only issues with it is I don't see what the value... My issue with a lot of Kickstarters is where's the value added? What right. is the part that you actually need the money for? And oftentimes it's like, well, all the work's actually done. I just want the money for doing the work, you know? And, and here, uh, I'm not going to say like it's wrong... Because I'm never going to say it's wrong to make money. I'm just going to say that I don't see why anyone should back it. Right, right. Yeah. Because like I, I like about the books. I'm not saying that people shouldn't back the books. I'm just pointing out that it's kind of stupid to back books. Oh, Kitty Hawk, here's an article that would interest you. You can read mm -hmm. and we can talk about it later. Okay. Just read the, read the title and I'll hear a comment from you like in two seconds. Oh, okay. So they're talking about like how the console makers had like a um, a stranglehold in the cartridge era. Yeah, if you look if you look at the chart, it's actually a really interesting chart. It's like yeah. Well, I mean, like I I remember paying ninety five dollars for my copy of Chrono Trigger the day it came out. Like yeah. I, I I mean it was it was expensive, and I and I had to save a long time to get that. And I mean. People like I were when I worked at GameStop, the average price of a game was fifty dollars. Was like you know normally on a console started out at forty dollars, fifty dollars, and like on, on console on like handhelds it was like twenty five to thirty five, and people would bitch, and I would then say I'm so sorry, but at, n not even adjusting for inflation, these games are so much cheaper. Mm -hmm. Shut up. And it was usually people that had no concept. Like, these are people that actually bought Atari games, and that's why I always just laughed at them, because I was like, you're just stupid. First world fucking problems. Well, it's just that people have no memory. I mean, I talked to boomers about the Cold, Air, Cold War, and they have no memories of the Cold War. It's just like, Did, didn't you live through that? <laughs> oh, Alzheimer's setting in a little early in the, for the whole generation. But yeah, like, I, I mean, I knew about all this, like, that... Well, it was partly because Nintendo and all those companies were just being assholes, and then, like, Sony understood that if they made it cheap for the developer, because this is really the developer, developer, developer era, mm -hmm. um, that they could bring in <clears throat> a lot more developers. And, in fact, that's the, that was the secret of the success of the PlayStation, was they were so developer-friendly, and they made the lower production costs. And it was just Nintendo just being assholes, like saying, well, we just we don't want to give over control. We don't want to give over part of our production to someone else. And that was partly why they went with those little GameCube discs in the GameCube era. It was just still more protectionist bullshit. Mm. But yeah, I mean, this is just this is just all about like <clears throat> people trying to protect their business model and failing as they always do. And I always have bitched about people saying, oh, games are so expensive. Go fuck yourself. 
Now, in Australia, they have the right to complain because a brand new game is $90 here. Oh, Holy geez. shit. That's why no one buys games here. Well, I thought part of it was because all the good games get banned. Well, that's also the reason no one buys games here. Thanks, Australia. You don't like tax money? Good. I can buy from America. When the PlayStation 4, which is region-free, comes out, you will never see my money go through your system ever again. Ouch. Because, well, because it's that's true. I mean, when the PS4 gets released here in Australia, all you'll have to do is just say, oh, I'm going to buy from the American store. And now Australia doesn't get the tax money. Because we everything okay. Because part of the reason the games are so expensive is tax is included to everything. Like you don't have to calculate tax here; it's already included, which is nice. Because I still have moments where I'm like, "Oh God, what's the tax going to be?" And then I have to remember, "Oh yeah, it's already included." Well, it's 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 eight two five percent. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we so had like, 10%. something 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 that's nineteen ninety nine is twenty one sixty five. Yep. I remember that distinctly. Yeah, we had nine percent, so uh, it was twenty one seventy nine for uh, for a game that cost nineteen ninety nine. It was uh, fifty four forty nine for a game that cost uh, forty nine ninety nine. You don't have to do that. You don't have to. Ta- There's no tax here in Australia because it's already included. But also, the other thing here is in Australia, no tipping because um, waiters people- make a decent wage. Yeah, like Walmart work. People who work at Walmart make sixteen dollars an hour. Um, and that's just normal hours. After five o'clock, they're paid, I think, one and a half. And then on Sundays, they're paid double. So, yeah, it's it's a lot. I would say it's a lot better. But property tax, that's the big... But, like, see, when you have low property tax, you generally have high sales tax. Like in Alabama, there's practically no uh, property oh, tax. Texas has no property tax unless you own a house. Yeah, yeah, like, we, we didn't have to, I paid, like, 20 bucks a year on my car, and, um, but our sales tax was 10%, Ooh. like, yeah, like, but that's because you had to make up for the money somehow, and, and they let the rich people get away with not paying their property tax, and then it, it fell on the poor people to pay, and also, the other thing in Alabama is medicine and food are also taxed, like, at 10%. Oh, te- in Texas, that's not taxed. At all. Yeah, like in most states it isn't, but like in the in southern states it will be taxed because except for Texas. Yeah, well, Texas is sort of southern, sort of not. It's its own thing. But like in Alabama, Mississippi, they tax the the food and the medicine. So like it gets real expensive to live. Like even though things seem cheaper, it is. It's a lot well, more. Well, well, in Texas it's like this: if you buy a steak, it's not taxed. If if you buy Vegetables and fruits, it's not taxed. If you buy milk, it's not taxed. If you buy cheese, oh, processed not... food, yeah. But if you if you buy like a TV dinner, that's taxed. Yeah, that that's actually uh, true up north, like in states like Rhode Island, like it's called uh, convenience food, so they'll tax you on that. Right. Um, but in Alabama, even vegetables and basic food is taxed at ten percent. I kind of like um, that idea because it's basically saying no, because it, 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 it rewards you for learning how to cook. No, well, it doesn't, honestly, because let me tell you something. When you're poor, you don't got time to cook. You, you are working, and you basically, you, when you're hungry, you don't want to spend a few hours cooking. You want to get the food immediately, and, and like you only have, like, like, sometimes you go to the grocery store, and you only got $5, and ain't going to buy you much, so what you're going to buy is you're going to buy ramen because that's cheap. 
And so I, it, I, it does not reward the poor. It doesn't teach them to cook. It teaches them, well, fuck you. <laughs> well, well, in my, well, I've always found that it encourages me to cook. Well, okay. And in the case of a middle-class person who has some, who has, uh, like, I would guess the ability to do so, I would say that, yeah. But when you're poor, you honestly do not have that luxury. You honestly, you're probably working like a few jobs. And, and, and I've been, you know, in the point where you go to the grocery store and you got five bucks and you have to eat for the rest of the week. And, well, good luck! <laughs> I've been at that point before. Yeah, well, I've been there, you know, it's not fun. It's not fun at all. But anyway, uh, yeah, you... Alabama is a ter- terrible place and no one should ever go there. Okay, well, let me know if you ever visit Texas, because, like I said... I'll... No, 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 Texas, Texas, okay, like, parts of Texas are pretty nice. I'd say, like, um, I, I've been to Texas, and there are parts that are nice, and then there are parts that are... But that's true of any state. There's parts that are utter shit. But, I mean, the nice places, like, I've been to, um, I've been to Houston. I've been to... I think I went to Galveston. Yeah, I go to Galveston once. I don't know. They've been too many places. But yeah, Texas is okay. Uh, the politics there are a bit bad. Oh, don't worry. Don't don't worry about that part. Just uh, like I said, if you ever visit the DFW <laughs> area, let me know, and I'll take you to some Korean restaurants. You and Trevor. Okay, take you. I, I will. I won't live in Texas, but I will visit Texas. Excellent. Like I said, yeah. take you to some Korean restaurants that I know are really good. I like eating there. I like uh, there's a there's a couple of other things we can do there. Um, I'll figure something out. Oh, uh, 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 there's an artist friend of mine that um, I've been talking to that uh, he's going to be visiting Thomas Vore next week. Oh, sweet. Who lives in Dallas, and he wants to look at my Surface Pro. So I'm oh, going to cool. actually go visit him and let him draw my Surface Pro for a few hours just so he can see if that's what he wants to use. Oh, that's pretty cool. I just thought it would be nice to do because that way he can see what everything's like and make a decision and... Even if yeah. he doesn't like it, you know, just to give him a chance to use one that I already have all the programs on there, you know, sketchbook. Well, that's the big, that. that's the big thing, just being able to use it, because like a lot in a lot of cases, like when the Surface first came out here, I I couldn't use it until they just they just got them in stock, and it's only at JB Hi-Fi. But I mean, I played around with it a little bit, but I'm just like, I've already got a Cintiq, and I've already got a laptop. And no, I no, I understand. It, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit your use. It doesn't use. fit me. But like, it is really. But I will say, you don't know until you've actually used it. So, yeah, that'll be good for him. Anyways, my online comic uh, management system is being built. I'm working with a guy from work. He's really, really clever and smart. And we're gonna get something together in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'm already mocking up the admin pages. I showed them the Kitty Hawk. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make it to where there's only like five admin pages, so that way you don't confuse anybody. Yeah. I'm not going to let them like mess with the raw HTML code too much because the whole idea, in my mind, is theming is done through CSS more than through HTML manipulation because you can pretty much because I'm going to use a very solid base framework and because. Because if I have control over that, I can make it like really streamlined, and that way it'll do everything you need it to without like wrapping divs. Okay, so 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 the way it works is is like you can it, it looks similar to like uh, other CMS that I've seen, which is um, 
like that and you put in the title the blog all the information and such like that um and so like what what what's running what is it running in um adam is an expert in net but he does know other languages okay uh, what 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 are y'all thinking about running running it in like uh what what's the back end gonna be like what what builds the actual site is what i'm asking uh adam wants to do in dot net oof i know i'm not only saying that just because oof but um and that might be going away uh yeah i know but uh like I said, I'm going to talk to him about it. I'm going to talk. To no, him. no, 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 no. But what? No, like, like what? Ideal? No, I'm. What I'm asking is, is like, I know that he knows .NET, but what ideally would you like it to be like? Uh, are you looking for something like, uh, like normally people use PHP, which you know has to build every single time, which is a bit intensive. I'm looking or, for. I'm looking for something that's similar to your system, to where only on update days does it run. Does it run? Yeah. Yeah, and like that that actually I think is like the best system because um it it means that we're not running it every single fucking time, which I know can eat the fucking CPU usage, which I've seen people like reach that and it fucking sucks. Right. Um and also it doesn't need to be re rebuilt every single time. Uh I'm trying to remember what we we're using. Uh I know we're using a few services along with it, but uh so you're going to have this and then like, um, and then a huge, probably like a huge XML document or like, you know, a huge like file that like says, here's the structure and everything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's like what we have. Yeah. My, my system is like, like this, except the problem is, is that we've never really made the, we made an interface for that one that the, the CMS that we made that like I was talking about on what comics beacon about how, we were going to launch it, and we had a interface and everything like that, but <laughs> we just couldn't get. This was before Kickstarter, so there was just no funding. Well, if you so want to, I can. I can. If you want to, you know, I don't mind developing the interface of a competing CMS. So it's, you no, know, no, 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 no. Like we're going to have an interface because, uh, like I said, I, I'm not going to mention like anything too detailed, but we are working on a project where that will have an interface because we have to do this for a particular project. Exactly. It's just that right now it's just sort of bare. And the reason we did this was because I don't fucking care. The only thing I want is, can I do everything that I want? Okay. That's awesome. Let's go. Cause I don't know. I, I, I understand that most people want a UI like a GUI or something like that, but I'm just like, eh. Well, well, I'm designing my GUI to be very, very simple. The whole idea is if you give them too many moving parts, they're going to hurt themselves. Well, and, and, like, yeah, that's why you have to have a simple mode and then an advanced mode because, like, you don't want to limit everybody, but you also want to make sure that, like, everybody can use it. Well, that, so. that's true, but I really – but the whole thing, like I said, is this is built primarily for long-form comics. People oh, yeah, who yeah. want to and tell stories. Yeah, and the and the thing is, is that we our problem was is that we ran into was we could write the thing, but the problem was getting it into people's hands. And the problem is, is that getting people to use something is like next to impossible because unless you can give them a platform to use it on, like when you give someone a program and they can uh, they can put it on their computer and it can run, awesome. But like if you give them uh, software that they have to install on their server. 
They have to create a SQL database, it. tie it to the database, make it run off the database. Ugh, SQL. Ugh, ugh. Yeah, that's uh, that's impossible. Yeah, like that. That's like you're asking way too much at that point, and that's why at that point you have to. Well, that's why. That's honestly why Comics Press and like Blogger and like Tumblr and services like this succeed is because they are providing the software on their server. It is there. You can use it. You don't have to bother with it. You can just fucking go with it, and that's why it's successful. And, like, Blogger used to uh, allow people to run it on their own, you know, on their own servers. And they're, it really honestly was not a major part of the community. Now, they claimed it was only 0.5% of the community, but that, that was probably bullshit because Google was just trying to get ad revenue at that point. But um, I actually have to go because I have to work on arts and shit but uh but thank you so much for having me on again and congrats on getting uh fred perry that's fucking awesome yeah neil you need to contact him by the way and then tell him and tell him a, a date okay because I, I i hopped onto his live stream after kitty hawk's fans on in the chat room went onto his live stream and said the animation aficionados want you and then he says okay what time Yay! they told me i came on and, and i talked to him and he says okay just make sure it's after it's after acom and then acom passed so now neil you have to contact him and get him on okay get on it <laughs> yes oh cool you, you can handle oh. that right neil sure <laughs> neil can do it he can do anything. Well, actually, Neil does have a, a talent for figuring out things I just dump on him. <laughs> I, I I can get people on the show sometimes, but if you're already, if you're already like talking to someone, you can kind of write them if you want you, to. But, you, but you're better at finding email addresses. <laughs> oh. I, yeah. Better at finding email addresses. But I'm also more scatterbrained, and I, I tend to forget the people who, who I've contacted if I'm not too familiar with them. Or the other thing that happens is that you talk to them, and then I contact them, and they have no idea who I am, so they don't respond back. Uh, I, you know, if you if you really want someone on the show, uh, you should probably just contact them yourself. Okay, I will contact Fred Perry then, okay. because he'll he'll remember me because right. because who doesn't remember me? I'm awesome. And, uh... <laughs> Thanks for having me on, and um, and I'll come on again whenever y'all want me. All right, I'll I'll keep on working on the CMS, and we'll. Exchange notes as I get further along. Okay, cool. All right, good night. All right. Good night. Bye.